Welcome to the Boss in Heels podcast with your host, Lara Nassessian, the podcast that shares the mindset, habits, tools, and tactics of inspiring women. Hi, everyone. This is Lara Nassessian, and welcome to the Boss in Heels podcast, where it is my job to share the mindset, habits, tools, and tactics of inspirational people. I... I'm so grateful that you're here. I love doing the podcast. And if you are enjoying the show, then all I ask in return is that you take a moment to subscribe, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. It takes like a second to do so. And it is the best way that you can show your support for the show. And as much as I love your beautiful messages that come through, it is really the podcast reviews that actually help the show the most. So if you could take a moment to do that, it would be so, so deeply appreciated. Now, with that being said, today's guest is someone who is really special to me because he has been in my life for a really long time. And that person is Mark Seto. Who is Mark? Mark is the head of global yoga and Pilates for Virgin Active. And he's also the host of Virgin's Active Minds podcast. After starting his career in finance, Mark decided to make a massive change for something that was more authentic and true to who he is. Mark began working as a personal trainer at Virgin Active, which was the beginning of a remarkable career and journey through fitness, yoga, and mindfulness, as well as corporate success. Mark now has his own podcast and he interviews some of the brightest minds in health and wellness. So as I mentioned, Mark and I are friends. We've known each other ever since he was my personal trainer back in the day. And it has just been really cool to watch his success and his growth over the years. But I particularly love this conversation with Mark because we really delved into so much detail around health and wellness and particularly around mindfulness. And if you are someone who struggles with mindfulness and meditation and just being still and silencing your mind, this is the episode for you because Mark takes us on this beautiful journey and really breaks it down in such a digestible way that anyone could do, even when you're brushing your teeth. And so I really encourage you to listen to this episode intently and listen all the way to the end because Mark shares some seriously profound, beautiful practices that you can absolutely take away and start applying in your life immediately. So without further ado, please enjoy this deeply enriching and mindful conversation with Mark Seto. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Laura, it's an absolute pleasure. I am Quite nervous, but I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were just chatting before I pressed record around because you now host Virgin Active Minds podcast, which is super cool. But we were just having a chat around 
how it's so different to be on the other end of the microphone. And I feel like whenever I go into someone else's podcast, I'm like, oh, now I'm in the hot seat and I'm not in control of the questions. So I totally get it. It's exactly how I'm feeling. Oh my God. Like, I don't know actually what's coming. And now I know what it's like to be a guest. I feel very vulnerable, but that's a good place to be in. I think so. We've all watched that TEDx talk. So I'm grateful to be feeling very vulnerable right now. Oh, I love how you've just leaned into that. And Mark, it's so special to have you on the show because as I was prepping for this episode, it brought up so many memories of how long you have been in my life. And if I can kind of count back accurately, I think it's been around 15 years. And we met because I was working out and I had a membership at Virgin Active. And at the time you were my personal trainer and you used to train my best friend, Parissa and I together and, and separately as well, but we did a lot of joint sessions. You got me so, I mean, I was always passionate about fitness and health. And I think that's been something that's been innately part of me, but you really pushed me at that time and got me out of my comfort zone and it's just really cool to see how much your career with Virgin Active has just skyrocketed between that time that we first met 15 years ago to now. So I guess maybe that's a good place to start. You know, you left a a very successful finance career. You were living and working abroad And then you decided to become a personal trainer with Virgin Active. So did you have any idea at the time how high the ceiling was going to be for your new career? I had no idea. Um, You know, after leaving, uh, I was in Montreal in my last kind of finance-focused job and I had a really great life over there, but... Um, you know, I just really wanted to do something that I was passionate about. And I uh, had kind of fallen into this finance world (laughs) and it was great. I got to travel and make great money and that kind of stuff, but I just wasn't, my heart wasn't in it. Mm. Um, so I needed to make that change. And after coming back to Sydney and, and also at that time, discovering Virgin Active myself, um, I didn't know about it until I got back to Sydney and, um, after becoming a trainer, I, I look, I really had no idea how far um, this industry or that job um, could have taken me. And it's been an incredible ride. Um, and kind of, it's been, it's, I guess when you look at the fitness industry in particular, you know, of course it has grown so much over the past 15 years, um, mm-hmm. but the, it's, it, it feels a bit still uh, like a bit of a trailblazing moment, you know. It's like there's no set pathway when it comes to fitness and I think that's really reflected in my journey. It's just been so much new stuff 
um, over the past 15 years. It's been, um, I couldn't have imagined it. I couldn't have planned it even. Wow. I think it's so incredible the journey that you've had with Virgin Active because you were sort of almost like the poster child of <laughs> of how far you can go when you started as a, a personal trainer to now being the head of global yoga and Pilates and being the host of the Virgin Actives podcast and all of the other incredible opportunities that you've had along the way. What would be some of the things that you feel you've done in order to set yourself apart from the rest? Because whilst I know that you may not have necessarily planned or imagined things to kind of take this shape, there's obviously certain qualities or characteristics or things that you may have done along the way in order to have those opportunities presented to you or offered to you. So I'd love if you could maybe share a little bit of insight in terms of what you think those those couple of things might have been that you feel you've done really well. Mm. Look, uh, it, it, that question kind of takes me back to my Optus days. <laughs> we were talking like <laughs> 2001, 2002. It was my first job in finance. I was in, uh, and it was a call center. It was a financial services call center for Optus. So I was that guy that was calling you saying, Hey, you haven't paid your phone bill. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm I'm here to create a plan for you so we can get this paid. And I, I did that job for about two years, but in the second part of the, the second year of doing that job, I started helping to train new people to do the job. And I got so much great feedback back then around, um, you know, the way that I would help other staff to learn the job. And that was kind of the first real moment where I was like, oh, there's actually, you know, I really enjoy this, um, you know, helping others to learn. Um, I'm getting really great feedback about it. Um, and then another five years passed working in finance and not really thinking too much about that aspect of who I am as a trainer. Um, but it did kind of that, that it was part of that journey that made me think about, well, I love fitness. I've had really great feedback training others. Maybe being a personal trainer is the right place for me. Um, and I had those thoughts during the rest of that financial career, but, um, it wasn't, again, it wasn't until uh, I really made that change in decision in 2008 to kind of come home and, and, and make a real go of it. So I think once I became a trainer with Virgin Active, and again, I was like fresh out of certificate for and fitness. Uh, my first job, personal training job with, was with Virgin Active. I'm really grateful for that. But I, I, I honestly, I knew nothing like, and between you and I, Lara, you know, we, you and I started training together very early on. And even then, like I had a lot of passion for it, but honestly, my, you know, knowledge, my certifications were next to nothing. Like I had no experience as a personal trainer. Um, 
So I appreciate that you and Prissa came on very early with me in my training career. I never would have known the difference. You were so (laughs) natural at it and so good at it. So you just had a really great style and at no point did I ever feel like you weren't knowledgeable or that you were green. So that never came (laughs) across. I had no idea what I was doing. But look, I think very early on in that, period at, at Virgin Active, French's Forest, um, I really quickly realized that it was about relationships. You know, it mm. wasn't really what I knew. Um, and I could also see that, that that was, you know, in the people that I was um, working with, they they weren't really interested so much in what I was delivering. It was about what, you know, how I was delivering it, you know, and it was about, you know, being able to connect with someone and being able to really listen and, um, I get, you know, really get to know them as a person, um, not just as a body and not just as an exerciser, um, not just their goals and aspirations when it comes to fitness, but to really get to know someone at a deeper level. And I think I kind of realized that, you know, that's, that is naturally who I am. I'm definitely the relator when it comes to the personality types. I'm very green. Um, and it's a big part of what drives me personally as a human is connection. Um, I, I need that. I need that to thrive. Um, being a relator is also, you know, part of being a relator is the need to be liked um, and understood. And I think because of that, you know, and that's who I am naturally, um, I put in a lot of effort to really get to know someone and have someone get to know me. And um, when I when I started to become conscious of that as a trainer um, in those early days, it kind of helped me to relax about you know, yeah, I am a new trainer and I'm in a new industry. Um, but I think if I, if I can just reach people on a personal level, um, I think that's enough for now. And I think that, you know, I was very lucky moving into fitness where, you know, of course my skills and my certifications and my knowledge has grown so much. And that's (laughs) a very, very important part. Um, but I'm in an industry now where relationships are really key. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, if you can do that, um, then, you know, that, then you're in a really good place when it comes to fitness. Um, but of course, you know, I've moved into more of the, you know, I don't personally train anyone anymore. Um, I still teach a couple of classes once a week. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I'm, I am working more in the corporate side of things. Um, and in a global role. So I work with all of our people everywhere. Um, but that ability to be able to connect, build relationship, um, be vulnerable with people. Um, I think that's probably been one of the greatest lessons. And I think it's probably been one of the things that have helped to propel my career, you know, um, I've even been able to connect with Richard Branson on a personal level. Um, So it's, you know, I've been really, I think that's really helped to spur on the growth and the development that I've been able to. Yeah, 
that's a, a big deal. And I did listen to your interview, your podcast interview with Sir Richard Branson. And you can tell, I mean, he's obviously, you've had this 15 year long career with Virgin Active and he's seen your growth throughout that time and and sees you as a, a critical person within the Virgin Active family. And it's really cool that you were able to connect with him in multiple ways, but especially for that podcast interview. What was that moment like for you? What was it like to you know, sit like this with <laughs> Sir Richard Branson and and sort of pick apart his his habits and his mindset and his rituals because I think a lot of people would would feel that that would be a dream. I mean, I would love to have him on my podcast. <laughs> um, so, what was that moment like for you? It was pretty surreal. Um, uh, I mean, I, I know I was, of course, nervous out of this world. Like it was <laughs> yeah. really, you know, and, and I have met him a couple of times um, previously. And, um, but still, you know, regardless of that, you, you know, you've got Richard Branson sitting um, in front of you. I mean, he's in Necker Island. I mean, you're doing it all <laughs> through video. Yeah. But um, look, it was despite all the nerves, um, it was absolutely a, one of the highlights of my life. Um, what an honour to be able to sit with someone that has done such incredible things with his life and such incredible things with the Virgin brand and um, and so humbling as well, you know, to have to be able to interview one of the greatest entrepreneurs that have ever lived. Um, it, it's kind of a, a pinnacle of my career and, um, but also just my life, like what a great opportunity to be able to chat, especially in, you know, the, the, the conversation we had and if, um, it, it was really about his personal health and wellbeing. Mm-hmm. You know, we weren't really talking about the typical entrepreneurship that he gets, uh, interviewed so much on. It was really around, you know, how does he stay well and how does he stay mentally focused and you know we really spoke about the importance of his family so it was a really personal and intimate conversation and um yeah I'm just really grateful and um I guess I could probably die now because <laughs> <laughs> where, where do you go after that yeah it's like it's it's a real highlight and a real moment and that is one of the things that I love the most about that interview was I feel like you shun and a light and illuminated a different side of him, which you previously, I mean, I'd previously never heard him speak in that way in relation to his own health, mindfulness, family, you know, what's important to him, his daily practices, um, you know, and to your point, he's done a, he's built a phenomenal empire and it's by no accident. And I'm always really intrigued and a big part of this podcast is really unpacking the habits, the the mindset, the rituals of exceptional performers. And I think that you did a brilliant job at that. And speaking about health and wellness, this is something that I'm really passionate about 
it's it's such a big part of my world and part of my day-to-day life but I know it is it's huge for you how did you make that decision from this is something that I'm passionate about to this is something that I want to do as my career how did you what was the thought process behind making that that shift mm. Look, it really was, it was really the lack of passion that I had working in the finance industry. Um, You know, I worked for some really great brands like Shell and IATA, Optus, fantastic brands, you know, that I, I was really looked after, you know, being able to live in London, live in Montreal, like it was, um, you know, I'm really grateful, and I'm uh, I'll ever, I'll be forever grateful for what I learned there. Um, but it was the lack of, you know, and and I should like I loved my jobs, I, and I, I I never I never really, and very thankfully, I, I never really had those moments of, you know, dreading going to work. Like I've always worked with great people. I've always had very interesting jobs, um, but you know that deep down kind of I guess passion is the best word, you know, like that real drive to be like, I cannot wait to get up on Monday and go to work, you know, like it just, it, 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 it it wasn't awful, but that, that, that real deep sense wasn't there. And and because I'd never really had it in any previous job, I I, I can't, I, I can't sit here and say like, how did I know that? Like, you know, it wasn't like I had a job previous to that career where I was like, oh, that's the feeling that I want. I just kind of knew, like there was this intrinsic knowing that it's like, no, this isn't it. Like this isn't it yet. Mm. Um, so, and again, you know, like I said previously, like I, I just had this great feedback around helping others learn um, and knowing that, you know, fitness, health and well-being, you know, that has been such a critical and important part of my life since forever. Like I remember I've still got the first cross-country award from I think I was like five or six years old. Like, And I think, you know, fitness has been a, a critical part of me since then. You know, like I can still remember doing that cross country race when I was five or six years old. And so it's been a real constant in my whole life. Um, and I do, I've always naturally loved it. I, I haven't, I know fitness, sometimes we have to learn to love it, but I've been very lucky that I've always enjoyed it and loved it. And so I think those two things combined, just not having that deeper intrinsic passion for my previous career um, plus the knowledge that I knew that I loved fitness. It was the number one constant in my whole life. It it was just the right combination and the right time. Um, You know, Montreal, I had a really great life, but I was sitting in my office. It was I remember that day I was sitting in my office. It was minus 25 or something outside. <laughs> it was snowing 
And I was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> what is going on? Like, yeah. I need to go home. I need to go home. I need to study and I need to finally be a personal trainer. And then, you know, I left a job that paid really well, um, came home and moved in with my dad in French's Forest. And I was, what, 28 at this stage. So I moved home and started studying at the Australian Institute of Fitness in St. Leonard's. I got a job at a, at a gym in St. Leonard's just on reception because I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm just going to do it properly. I'm diving in head first. I'm going to be a student and be a receptionist, So I, at least within the industry, so I can start to learn while I study. Um, and that was it. I joined Virgin Active as a member um, and I was like, oh my God, this place is incredible. I'm going to work here. Like there was just yeah. no question. That gym was so awesome, especially back then when it was brand new. It was mm -hmm. just, there was no other gym like it in Sydney that I know of at the time. I feel like it was really ahead of the curb in terms of what a gym or almost like a wellness center could really look like. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like there was nothing in Sydney like that at that point. Um, you know, we've always had a big focus on group exercise. So, you know, the spaces are really big. And, and uh, you know, I joined as a member and was just absolutely blown away. Mm. I look back at some of my attendance back then, 2000, end of 2008, and um, – You know, I was doing three classes a day. Wow. <laughs> I, was <just> so, <laughs> I was so addicted. Um, but, yeah, I just made that decision as soon as I joined there. I was like, yep, this is my home and I'm going to do everything it takes to get a job here. Mm. Um, so I met the right people and started building relationships by going to classes. <laughs> um, and the rest is history. Yeah. And talk to me about your current wellness and fitness practices. What does a typical day like for you? And maybe we can start even, maybe we can just break it down even more and get super granular because my audience and I love the granular minutia details of morning <laughs> routines and, and evening routines. I'd love to know if you could maybe walk us through, you know, when, when Mark wakes up every day, what time does he wake up? What are the first things that you do? What does the first say 60 to 90 minutes of the day look like up until sort of the, the time that you go to start work for the day and how, mm -hmm. what are some of those fitness and, and wellness practices that you build in on a, on a day to day or weekly basis? Cool. Um, so I think firstly, I will say that the, the, I'm not on a strict routine. Um, so I don't necessarily get up at the same time every day. And, and that's usually, you know, if, for example, if I'm teaching yoga on Tuesday night, you know, I come home very wired. So I know I'm going to go to bed late. Therefore, Wednesday, I will wake up a bit later. Um, if I do decide to, um, you know, do a really 
heavy workout session one day, which I don't do every day, um, I know that I will probably set my alarm to be a little bit later the next day. And that's not only just so I can get enough rest, but um, I won't dive into it, but uh, I was um, diagnosed with fibromyalgia last year, which means that um, I've got kind of consistent um, chronic pain and chronic fatigue. So that means that depending on what I do each day means that, um, you know, in regards to sleep, I might need more, I might need less. And so it's been a bit of a journey the last three years since my symptoms started where things have needed to shift and change. Um, but I think the consistent thing is that I've all, I'm always conscious of where I'm at physically. Um, and that, you know, despite having this, um, condition, um, exercise, well-being, nutrition is, is as it always should be, but even more so really important. Yeah. So I, I guess I'll just preface it that way. Um, but typically um, I'm probably up between kind of six and seven. That would be the, the typical time. If I've had a really good rest, I'll get up earlier. Um, if, if, I've, if I need a little bit more, I'll get up a little bit later. Um, I'll be honest, the, usually the very first thing I'll do is make a coffee with my coffee machine. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've secretly always wanted to be a barista. Um, I've never done it. I've done the training, but I've never Oh, no way. I didn't I've know never, that. <laughs> yeah, I've never gone out and made someone a coffee. But whenever anyone's at my house, I'm like, do you want a coffee? I'd, I'd be happy to make you a coffee. I've got this wonderful machine, you know. So, look, I, I love that that is – that I love that ritual. I love getting up. I love cleaning that machine. I love measuring, you know, I measure the beans to the exact point of a gram. You know, there's a whole real art to making coffee and I love the I love that process. And I think, you know, despite enjoying the coffee at the end of that, there's part of it just being you know, measuring the beans to a certain gram, grinding the beans to an exact degree, um, you know, using the machine to obviously run the water through the, like there's a whole mindful process that I really enjoy with that. And, you know, I did some, similarly, I did some training to, um, to do Japanese tea ceremony and in a very similar way, um, I use that training to make my coffee. Um, so that's 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 one of the rituals that I really enjoy in the morning. Of course, then I'll sit quietly and drink that. Um, I don't put the news on or anything like that. I literally just sit and enjoy drinking that coffee, doing nothing other than enjoying the coffee. And, you know, there's, there's a mindfulness element in that alone. Mm. Um, then I do want to do something um, physical. And, and I guess the few things that that could be is often it's taking, um, my dog for a walk, um, being out in nature and outside in the elements is a really important part of my health and well-being life. Um, I love being outdoors. I grew up in the country, so I've always understood that it's really my happy place. And whether it's, raining, snowing, burning hot, I will make the time to go outside and be part of that. I think it's 
really important for us to experience our environment um, mm. no matter what it is you know and i i'm a huge advocate for walking outside in the rain oh my you gosh know, I, I did that, we, that this morning yeah i did it this morning i love it i love the rain i i'm i'm just like so engrossed in what you're saying i know i didn't mean to interrupt you but i love being outside in nature as well i think it's so important to go out and spend that time outside every day, even if it's just 10 or 20 minutes is still better than, than nothing. So I actually find I'm just so much calmer and in such a better state when I've gone outside and spent time outdoors in nature. 100%. And it's, it's so critical, um, to who we are and um and it's free like we mm-hmm. can you can literally go out at any time and it's you know of course in busy days we need to schedule that time but i think it's um you know it is well we know that it is a really really important part um of anyone's health and well-being um program um even to the extent i sleep um with the window open no matter the weather you know, I think even when it's f- absolutely freezing and blistering and raining, having the window open in in while I sleep is um, really it, it helps me to sleep better. Um, and I think just having that constant connection with the outside is um, um, really really important. So that could be one physical way. This morning, um, I co-parent my dog, so she's not with me right now. But this morning, I got up. Um, made my coffee and then got straight onto a spin bike um, and did a online class <laughs> in my lounge room on my bike. Um, <laughs> and it was a hit class, so it was quite intense. Um, and I got very hot and sweaty, but it was, um, I, I like to balance that out with, of course, on other mornings, doing yoga in my lounge room or doing a Matt Pilates class in my lounge room. Um, this morning, I also spent 15 minutes um this might be a bit weird for some people but chanting um you know i am a yogi um and i love using mantra um whether they are mantras in english or whether they are this morning it was a mantra in sanskrit um which is the ancient language of yoga Mm. um but being able to sit and chant um is I find it super therapeutic Um, and in times when I'm chanting, um, you know, I guess what could be really um, uh, uplifting English chants like I am balanced, I am balanced, I am balanced. You know, there's a real meaning to that. It's not just the... um, sitting and making noise but there's you know there's manifestation there there's creation there so uh that was part of my ritual this morning that doesn't happen every morning but that's definitely a part of what i like to do uh, at least on a weekly basis um yeah they're probably the main things to be honest you know like at this stage especially with fibromyalgia um yoga pilates cycling going for long walks outside, of course, chanting, breathing, meditation, they are really huge parts of my, 
mostly morning rituals. Um, I might do some of that at lunchtime. Um, and yeah, yeah, the, 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 the stronger kind of hit workouts, doing weights, that that's a lot less that I'm, that I used to do. And that's purely because of, uh, fibromyalgia in this condition that I have, um, that sort of workout really wipes me out. So I need to be really prepared before taking on something like that. Um, because I know that it's going to make me super sore and, um, very, very tired. So, Mm. um, I, I just need to balance that out with what work that I have going on. It sounds like you take a really intuitive approach in terms of how you feel and then using how you feel to determine what you do. Mm. And I, one thing that has really struck me about you and knowing you, Mark, for so many years is that being around your energy has always felt incredibly calming and you are someone who is incredibly mindful. So, just going back to what you were talking about in terms of your first ritual is the ritual of making a coffee, but making a coffee in such a mindful way and drawing on the practice that you've learned through Japanese tea ceremony to do that and then to just sit for 15 minutes or however long it takes for you to just slowly sip on your coffee and truly just be in the moment. And I'd love to ask you around your journey of mindfulness. Do you feel like it's almost something, you know, you did or do you feel like it's something that came to you or something that naturally you got more curious about over time? How how did that journey, what, what did that path of mindfulness look like for you? Mm. Oh, I love that question. Um, that's definitely making me quite mindful as I think about it. <laughs> um, the, I mean, I'll firstly say that we can be mindful in any process, right? Making coffee, brushing our teeth, sitting on the bus, sitting in traffic, like there is an opportunity to be mindful no matter what we're doing. And I think it's really important that we understand that, you know, sitting and meditating cross-legged on the floor in a perfectly quiet environment. Like, of course, that's part of uh, a mindfulness practice, but the vast majority of the time, that's not how I practice. Um, So, uh, you know, thinking back to, you know, why is that part of me? How has that been part of me? I think I was very lucky to grow up in the country um, and to grow up in the bush. I do, I spent a lot of time as a kid alone in the bush. Um, So I think I've kind of naturally always been fairly comfy and confident sitting alone um, with nothing much around other than the awareness of my environment. Um, But a more structured meditation practice started in my early twenties. Um, I like most of us, um, had, was really struggling with some mental health challenges back then. Um, and I was, I had some professional help, which was great. Um, and also my mum said, 
why don't you start meditating? And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I was living in Enmore at the time and the Sydney Buddhist Centre was just down the road on Enmore Road and I walked past every day and it wasn't until my mum said, why don't you just start meditating? And I was like, oh, I actually walk past this day, this place every day. Maybe I'll go and check it out. So the first meditation class I did, it was really challenging sitting on the floor because <laughs> it was, it's, it is a much more um, structured practice there. Um, and we sat on the floor for 45 minutes and we did this guided meditation. And when I left that center and stepped onto the street, honestly, Lara, I, I kid you not, the brightness of the world <laughs> and the, the the intensity of sound, I was blown away. It was like oh. someone honestly lifted a veil and I was like, the world is much more brighter than before I walked in, you know, like it wow. was, it was a real profound moment. Yeah. And so I'm really lucky that I had that guidance from my mom, that I live so close to this place, that I had that experience so early on, I must have only been maybe 19 or 20. So to have that so early on, I've been really lucky. Um, and, you know, I've been practicing since then. So it's, you know, I've grown up, you know, I've literally grown up. Um, I'm 40 now. So I've spent the last 20 years um, practicing different styles and exploring different ways to be mindful, you know, Japanese tea ceremony, you know, I was doing lessons to learn that process and that, you know, that's a beautiful practice. And it, it just goes to show that yes, making a coffee, making a cup of tea, you know, sitting and drinking quietly, like they can be very simple ways to practice. Um, and like I said, you know, it's, it, you could be brushing your teeth and practicing mindfulness. It's just, this this idea that we need to be cross-legged on the ground in a quiet place, emptying the mind, and it has to be an hour, that it's just that is not the case. I'm telling you now that is not the case. You know, if your mind is too busy for meditation or mindfulness, you're the perfect candidate. Like that's, mm. you know, a, a busy mind is not something to be vanquished. A busy mind is a creative mind right? A busy mind is something that we should relish in. Um, but being able to harness a sense of focus and attention and intention, um, that's what mindfulness and meditation is about. Oh, yes. I just have to add to what you just shared because one of the biggest pivotal changes for me when it came to mindfulness and for me it was just a gradual curiosity and and through personal growth wanting to become more mindful as a human being and wanting to be able to turn off that internal chatter even if it just was for a few moments at a time and Eckhart Tolle's books, The Power of Now and A New Earth, were both groundbreaking for me. And particularly A New Earth gave me one of the greatest epiphanies about 
life in itself. And one thing that I learned through Eckhart's work was around using little moments throughout the day to practice mindfulness. And it's exactly what you just touched on, being mindful when you're brushing your teeth and slowly opening up the tap and, you know, one by one, just going through the process of, Uh, and the steps of of brushing your teeth or any time that you're stuck in traffic rather than getting frustrated and impatient, using that as an opportunity to practice mindfulness and just be present in that moment. And it has exponentially just improved the quality of my life and made me much more calm and much more centered and grounded. And I was really curious to hear your take on it because like I touched on, you are an incredibly mindful person and anyone who is around your presence would feel that when you've really done the work. So I'm curious to know from your perspective, because this is something that I know that is so important, but is something that's often left on the back burner. I think that we as a society and we're getting better, but I, I believe that people do put more of a weight and focus on emphasis on the physical fitness side of things, going to the gym and, and doing workouts and those types of things. But mindfulness seems to be a bit more of a challenge for people. So for someone who is curious and perhaps wanting to go on that journey of even just becoming a little bit more mindful in their day-to-day life, where would you advise that they start? What would be some of the things that you might recommend or suggest that they do? Mm. It's, hmm. we can honestly be mindful in pretty much anything we do. The, the, the place we can't be mindful is when we're aimlessly scrolling through Instagram at 11.30 at night knowing that you should have been asleep an hour ago. Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's probably the, the epitome of mindlessness. <laughs> um, but we are, we're so good at it. And, and I get that, right? Like whether it's scrolling through Insta or uh, binge watching Netflix, like I get it. You know, there is a element of restoration in that, you know, of of literally being mindless, you know, especially Mm. you've got a busy life, you've got a lot on, you've got, you know, a hectic job. I understand that need for just mindless, you know, chewing gum for the mind. Like I get that. <laughs> I still engage. I still engage with those things at, at times. Yeah. Um, but if those things are, you know, if they're your daily ritual, Netflix, uh, scroll, you know, mindlessly scrolling Instagram for an hour at night, especially in bed, you know, may potentially drinking a little too much wine in the evening. Like mm-hmm. if they're your, your daily rituals, then I would definitely recommend it. Okay. We need to have a look at that. And and what can we therefore um, substitute instead of, you know, instead of mindless stuff um, you know, what can we, what could we do to be a little bit more mindful? I, 
you know, mindfulness and meditation can definitely feel like a bit of a mystery. It can feel a bit scary. It's like, oh, that's a little bit woo-woo for me. I don't know how to engage with that. I don't understand it. Um, but we just got to, you know, there's just some like brushing your teeth, look for the things that we potentially do every day that we could be putting a little more attention on. So brushing your teeth is a great one, right? Like typically we're doing that at least once a day, hopefully twice a day. Um, and we're in, we're already in that habit of creating that time and that space to do it. So I think brushing your teeth is a really, really great place to start. Um, and it's, it's not doing anything necessarily woo-woo or out there while brushing your teeth. It's literally just putting your attention here and now, right, on the present. And, you know, that's a huge part of what Eke Tolle, uh, Eckhart Tolle um, um, recommends, right? It's being present on the here and now. We spend so much of our time, right, living in the past or living in the future, right, putting all of our um, – putting all of our worries on things that have already happened um, and putting all of our aspirations into things that have not yet happened. And of course there is time and place to be considering the past and of course planning for the future. But when it comes to settling your mind, creating a sense of mindfulness, um, we, we need to do that in the here and now. And so when we choose to brush our teeth, Rather than thinking about, oh, you know, it's 6.30 in the morning, I've got to get here and I've got to get there. How am I going to get that there? You know, who's picking up the kids? You know, what am I going to have for dinner? Like, it's just allowing all of that just to be there. You know, we're not trying to push it away. We acknowledge that those things, those needs, those jobs, they're there. Can we, while I brush my teeth for the next two minutes, can we just be here and now? And so that's taking in your, the environment of your bathroom, right? How bright or how dark is it here? What is the temperature like? Is there music playing? Can I hear anything? How am I feeling? And then when it comes to brushing your teeth, it's literally, how does this feel? How does this feel as I'm moving my hand and moving this brush around in my mouth? Or maybe it's an electric brush. How does the vibration of this electric brush feel <laughs> on my teeth? Like I, it sounds a little bit, you know, simple and a little bit weird, but that is literally the practice. And let's not put too much emphasis on, you know, what we might be feeling or, or, you know, the, the actual process of moving your arm, but it is more about the fact that when you're doing that, you're in the present, right? You're here. Mm-hmm. Like you can't be thinking, you know, while you're moving the brush around in your mouth right there and then and, and getting an understanding of that sensation, like it's really hard to be somewhere else while you're doing that. You know what I mean? It's kind of, it's just pulling your focus into the here and now. And when we do that, it just, as you said previously, it just gives your mind that little moment to be, ah, oh, like it's just a little bit of a pause. It's a little bit of a release and a letting go of all of the other stuff, you know, the important stuff that we have that's about to happen for the rest of the day. Mm. But it's just taking that tiny little moment. And that's what I do when I'm making my coffee. 
right? And I do set up my space, like I've got a certain light that I put on and, you know, the TV doesn't come on. I've got a certain cup that I use. Like, I know it sounds a little bit basic, but, you know, there's a little, there's a, there's a ritual that goes into making this coffee that, that really helps to bring me into the present moment. It brings me into the here and now. Um, and it just so happens that I love the taste of coffee. So being able to sit for 15 minutes after, and it's very tempting to put the news on. It's very tempting to pick up my phone. Um, but I just, I, I make sure that I've set up my environment in a way where it's the temptation is always there, but I'm able to resist it. And I sit and I sip on that coffee And I'm like, what is the temperature like? How does it feel to hold this hot glass cup? What does the, how is my coffee today? Can I take, you know, what can I taste? Have I burnt the coffee? Is there chocolate here? Is it fruity? What does it smell like to sit here and smell this coffee? And, you know, these are enjoyable things for me because I love coffee, right? Mm. But brushing your teeth are not necessarily the most enjoyable thing that I like doing. But in the same way, you know, I'm, I'm using that moment to be able to create this mindful, present moment. And I do it, you know, I brush my teeth twice a day. So I've got two opportunities today to be really present. And sometimes that's the, you know, sometimes in some hectic days, they're the only two moments I get in my day. And you know what? But that's enough sometimes. Mm. And those two moments are, are better than no moments at all. I uh, think that's another thing, right? Like we put a lot of like, oh, if, but if I don't do it every day, like I might as well not do it. And it's like, no, like if you do it once a week, like that's sometimes <laughs> that is might be more than enough. Um, any little bit will help. Mm. So, you know, I think part of it is also just releasing that pressure that you have to be perfect at something or it has to be every day or it has to be at a certain time every day or it has to be for a certain practice each day. It could be brushing your teeth. It could be making the coffee. It could be walking the dog. It could be vacuuming, like vacuuming the house. We, a lot of us do that (laughs) at least a couple of times a month. Like, you know, there's a beautiful opportunity to be super mindful and present. Oh, I like that. I never really thought about it while vacuuming, but that is such a great point. Yeah, look, it's... uh, it could be it could be things that we really enjoy. Some of us really love yoga, and of course, that what a great way to be able to be mindful and to set your intention and focus. But you know, it could literally be vacuuming. Mm. You know, I I'll sometimes I'll put um, music on while I vacuum, and just like what I said, what I did this morning, I was chanting mantra this morning, which again is a bit more of a structured practice, but putting music on and singing to your favorite song, it's exactly the same as chanting mantra, right? Like you're putting your voice into action. You're putting, you're setting, you know, you're singing a beautiful song that puts a beautiful intention out into the world audibly. Like it's the same as sitting cross-legged and chanting mantra, but you happen to be singing Britney Spears and you're (laughs) vacuuming and you're vacuuming your lounge room. Like, you know, it's, that can, that can be an 
an equally powerful mindful moment as sitting and chanting Sanskrit. Mm, I feel so unbelievably mindful. I mean, I try and be really mindful when I'm doing the podcast and really listening and being in the moment with my guest, but particularly just as you were describing all of those actions of making your coffee and sitting down and slowly sipping it and what does it feel like and what's the temperature, that just brought me such presence and calm. So, Thank you for giving me that gift today, Mark. Um, that was really, really beautiful and so powerful. So thank you for sharing that. And I am just conscious of time. So in the interest of time, I did have two questions before we jump into our rapid fire round, if, if that's okay with you. And one of them that came up um, from my sort of doing prep in for this episode, but also obviously we follow each other on Instagram and I'm always seeing what you're up to and you are always traveling somewhere and doing something outdoors. I wanted to ask you about, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, Shinrin Yoku. What, mm-hmm. what is it and why do you do it? Mm. So Shinrin Yoku is a, well, it's a, it was coined in Japan, um, so we, let's say, let's call it a Japanese practice. Um, and it's in, in in English, it's forest bathing. So it's basically taking what all the things we just spoke about in regards to being mindful, uh, but doing it in nature. Um, so you know, I think for a lot of people naturally they're already doing it without knowing, right? Like those people that are like, oh my God, I need to get away from my desk. I'm going to go out and sit under a tree or I'm going to go out for a walk in the park with my dog. Like you're already doing it, right? You're already practicing it. You've naturally understood that being outside, being in nature, taking in the sounds, the scents, the the heat from the sun, the shade from a tree, touching the grass, feeling your bare feet on the lawn, you're already practicing Shinrin-yoku, like you're already doing forest bathing. And that's basically what it is. It's going out in nature. And rather than disconnecting from nature, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, running through a park with your headphones on while listening to Tony Robbins. That's a little bit different. That's kind of, that, that's a, that's, if you were to go out for a run in the park, no headphones mm. with your eyes wide open, being super conscious and aware of the, you know, the light from the sun, the coolness of the breeze, the smell of the flowers, the, you know, the sounds of the birds, that's more what Shinrin Yoku is about. Um, but you know, it, it is, it is, a, it, it's a practice. Um, you can become trained to be a qualified, um, Shinrin Yoku practitioner and take people out, um, into nature and help them to become really conscious and aware of being in nature, whether that is, like I said, you know, feeling the grass beneath your feet or touching the bark of a tree or, you know, smelling flowers, like, these are ways, again, that we can be mindful and um, conscious of the present moment 
um, absorbing our environment, um, being out in the rain like you did this morning, you know, that is part of Shinrin Yoku. That is, you know, being super aware of our, um, uh, our physical environment and, and the, the moods of the, or the, the, the moods, the, the, uh, the seasons of the year. Um, mm. You know, like they are all really part, important parts of who we are as humans. Um, and, you know, like I said earlier, I was very lucky to grow up in the bush and I spent all of my time as a kid mostly alone in the bush. Um, so I think I was blessed to be able to have that upbringing um, and it's just something that's consistently been part of my life ever since. Um, I, I make time for it. I schedule it Um um, and, and I practice it, right? Like if I'm going out and, and that might be, you know, right now I'm sitting in my apartment in Alexandria and it might be going to Sydney park, uh, and just walking through the trees and being conscious of the trees. It doesn't have to be as grand as, you know, driving all the way to Wilcannia and setting up camp next <laughs> to the river. You know, it doesn't have to be that grand. It can literally be tending to your plants on your balcony. Mm, I love that because it's not this all or nothing. I think sometimes we get caught up in that all or nothing mindset and just there's so much, and, and particularly if you are someone, I know a lot of our audience, they live in Australia, US, New Zealand or UK, and I know other countries as well, but you know, m- most of my listenership comes from those areas and those countries and if you live in one of those countries then chances are you've got you've got access to nature you've got you know access to something that's right on your footstep and it's just about appreciating what we have available to us and making the most of that so I I love that. Thank you for explaining that further because in my mind I thought, oh, it sounds like I've got to go out to the forest and <laughs> be bathing out in the forest. But I actually was pra- I've actually been practicing it after you described it without even knowing that that's mm. what it was. And I think that's really really cool. And and I did want to ask you one more question before we jump into the rapid fire round and. Mark, in your role and also being the host of Virgin's Active Mind podcast, you come across so many experts, you interview so many experts in the health and wellness space. And from your observations and and experiences and conversations, what would be maybe some of those overlapping principles or principle that you find to be a common theme amongst experts in the health and wellness space, whether it's Mm. practices or principles or rituals that they do, what are some of those common themes that you've observed? Um, It's probably two things. And I think the first one we've just spent quite a bit of time talking about, and that's being able to be present and practice being present, being here and now. And, you know, it's been such a blessing being able to talk to so many different experts and whether that's on, um, um, you know, gut health all the way through to physical health. And um, I think there's a common 
thread through all of these different health and well-being areas that creating a sense of mindfulness and looking after your mind is so critical like and and it's it's not you know of course you know we're talking about it from a mind aspect and and having these mindful practices um but the it's not just about the health of your mind you know like being able to speak to our gut health expert you know there's studies that have shown that having a mindfulness practice helps to increase the good gut bacteria in your mm. guts which then has a direct effect on your physical health and there's also you know research now showing that good gut health also helps with your mental health so there's that 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 is definitely one of the things that have that has um that it's a common thread through all of the conversations that I've had and I'm glad that we've just spent so much time talking about that so hopefully that inspires some of your listeners um the other one i would say is relationships mm. you know the importance of relationships and yeah. having strong balanced healthy relationships with the people around you whether they are your friends and family or your colleagues um and i think especially your colleagues like you know we don't get to choose our family most of the time um <laughs> but you know being able to have really strong connections at work um not only good for your health but also good for your career you know knowing that when you have these strong healthy relationships at work you are more engaged at work you're more engaged with your work um so yeah i think that's been and uh, i don't know if i should say surprising but it has been a you know a common thread no matter what the what subject we're talking about um but the importance of relationships um and having you know healthy balanced relationships in all aspects of your life personally and work-wise mm. it is a little surprising but it's not at the same time and i've observed the same just kind of reflecting as you were speaking relationships have been such a pivotal part of my career success um and without them we can only go so far so i think that's a really great observation and i want to jump into our rapid fire round mark and the first question i wanted to ask you is what is one piece of advice that you would give to your 20 year old self um it's one of my mantras um you're already enough. Oh, I love that. That is so beautiful. <laughs> Question 2. What is one thing that you've gotten better at saying no to? Oh, going to the pub. <laughs> <laughs> like I you know, I, uh, yeah, that look, I, and I should, I'm not judging, but for me, um, you know, the the yeah the after work drinks, that kind of thing. I'm just, it's just not my thing. It's not part of who I am or where I want to be. And so it's, and, and, you know, I, the, the pressure to be, you know, to do those things, especially in a work environment, you know, I understand that. And I spent most of my twenties succumbing to that pressure. 
um, or 20s and 30s. Um, but, you know, now it's just, no, I'm good. I'm going to go home. Mm. I love that. I think it's it's such a interesting one and I think that it's one that people really grapple with a lot. Um, so well said. <laughs> Question three, what is the best investment that you've ever made? Oh, look, uh, the, the investment in my health and well-being, physical health and mental health for sure has been, you know, and I've made time and invested so much of my time, money and focus onto that over the, uh, my whole life really. And so I'm really, that would be a huge part and pro- and definitely the most important. Um, but the, the one thing that just popped into my mind, I, I grew up in the country, as you already know. Um, and after moving to Sydney as an 18 year old, um, by the time I was 19, I realized that I wanted to move back to the country, <laughs> um, but I knew it wasn't the right time. So I started saving money monthly from the time I was 19, knowing that I wanted to move back to the country. So I wanted to buy a country house. And in 2020, along with everyone else in Australia, I bought a country house. <laughs> so I used that money, um, to, which took me, uh, yeah, 19 years, 20 years, 20 years to save. Um, but yeah, that was a huge financial investment that I made, uh, a regular investment from a very early age. Um, but you know, now having this country house is, um, you know, for my health and well-being, you know, being able to put my hands into the earth and build a garden and be outside, it's been a really important investment. That is a dream. And I love that you had the foresight to do that at 19. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I did. I bet. I bet you, you are. And question four, what is one motto, quote or saying that you live by? Oh, I have. Oh, I have these things tattooed on my body. So the the first <laughs> one, which was probably more a motto for my 20s and 30s, um, the best is yet to come. Mm. Um, but the one I just – I turned 40 in December and the one that I just got tattooed onto myself a couple of months ago is Memento Mori, um, which is an old Latin – motto saying term um and it means remember that you will die and i know that sounds kind of morbid um but it's i discovered this through the adventures of memento mori podcast um and it one of my most favorite binge worthy podcasts of all time um and i was very lucky to um interview ds moss on virgin active minds as well he's the host of the podcast um but it's a you know it's an it's an ancient motto um and i think it's beautifully mindful that you know we we are going to die Mm -hmm. um and you know memento mori is that reminder that you know every most things in our lives are impermanent um and therefore we should seize the day yeah, that's such a powerful reminder. And 
Question five, what habit, routine or ritual has most positively impacted your life? I bet I can probably answer this for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Look, we just discussed it. Shinrin Yoko or forest bathing um, and meditation. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, of course, the more structured styles of meditation that I've done have been very helpful, but they've been very helpful in helping me to build just a regular mindful practice, you know, whether that's making the coffee or brushing my teeth or sitting in traffic. Um, um, yeah, those two things definitely have been, have had the greatest impact. Yeah. And Mark, this has just been such a joy to have you on the podcast. And like I said, at the start of this episode, you and I have had such a long history together and so much has changed. My God, so much has changed for both of us since those days training at Virgin Active together. But where are the best places for people to find you, connect with you, check out the podcast and and see what you're up to? Yeah. Um, so the podcast is Virgin Active Minds um, and it's everywhere where you will find podcasts. Um, so you can definitely check me out there. Um, I am on Instagram. Um, I think if you look up Mark Seto, I can't remember my actual tag. I'll put the handle um, in the show notes. Oh, <laughs> you can find me on Insta. It is mostly pictures of either it's mostly pictures of nature. Nature. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's some pictures of me there as well in nature. <laughs> um, it's funny because someone said, I just got back from Bali, right? But one of our teachers text, uh, put a comment on one of my photos the other day saying, oh, Mark in nature, how different. How unexpected. I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Um, so they're probably all the places you can find me or if you're out in the bush, look, you never know. I could be there lurking. So, um, you know, in a nice mindful <laughs> way, of course, not in a weird way. Um, in a very uh, peaceful yeah. manner. Yeah, that's right. If you see some bald brown guy sitting there <laughs> meditating, that's covered in tattoos that's probably me that's too funny and and before we do wrap up are there any final messages or a final message that you want to share with our audience look um i'm really grateful that we've been able to talk about mindfulness in particular um and how important it is to health and well-being um and i would just say i i you know i i totally understand and hear you when when it feels a bit hard and scary and no time to make for this um and i get it right like uh, those are those are honest and real challenges that we all have um but it's worth it right like it's worth it if it if it it, if it's literally the 90 seconds you're using to brush your teeth it is worth it it takes some effort but like anything good in life you know it, it, it takes effort and it can be challenging but it's absolutely worth it in the end so just start now it doesn't matter who you are or how old you are or how good you're at anything or how bad you are at anything it doesn't matter how busy your mind is it is just worth starting start now today 
Hear, hear. Mark, this has been such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for doing this with me. I have no doubt there's a profound impact that you will leave with our audience and also broader than that, you know, the work that you're doing uh, is really beautiful and so important. So thank you for coming on and, and sharing your experiences and insights with us so generously today. Thank you very much, Laura. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. And thank you so much to everyone for listening. We appreciate you and bye for now. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Boss in Heels podcast. Be sure to visit bossinheels.com for a ton of information, resources and articles on all things career and personal development. And subscribe to this podcast for all future episodes.